This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Astro Line. Astro Line. Astro Line. Carbach Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 Astro Line. Astro Line. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline. That ball is gone. 2019 American League champion. Live from Plucker's Wing Bar on Shepard. Sports Talk 790 Astroline starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second Astro Line show, the 2019-2020 offseason. Glad you could join us tonight on the official Astros offseason hot stove show presented by Carbock Brewing. Live we are from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd in downtown Houston. We encourage all those here and fans that are listening as well uh, to make your comments through your favorite social media platform throughout the night with the hashtag AstroLine. We'll try and get some of those comments or questions on the show during the course of the next one hour. Fun show tonight, co-hosted by Kevin Eschenfelder, Astros pregame and postgame host, and fills in admirably whenever I miss a game. Ash, how you doing? What's going on? I'm doing great. Uh, enjoying, uh, I would say the off season, but I don't have so much of an off season <laughs> with, with the University of Houston and Rockets. But uh, no, enjoying the baseball off season. So far, so very good. Now, see, I've been sitting in that chair before and hosting this show before nobody ever asks, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And doing how, really how's well. your off-season been? Uh, any, any highlights that you can tell us? Relaxing. About? A couple nice trips. My wife and I uh, were lucky enough just to go out to the islands in Hawaii and uh, came back and stopped in San Diego at the winter meetings. So that's kind of, for me, the winter meetings are kind of when the year before transitions into the year up to follow. And, and I think the Astros made some headway with some talks with some agents and maybe some teams about a possible trade. But certainly... Uh, Jeff Luno spelled out his needs for the offseason, being a catcher, being a starting pitcher, and being a relief pitcher. We're going to hear from A.J. Hinch a little bit later on. He's going to discuss some of those topics. And our special guest live here at Pluckers this evening is former Astros third baseman and Astros uh, former manager as well, one of the all-time greats in Houston Astros history, and a guy you worked with for five years on pregame and postgame shows for the Houston Astros. Uh, Art Howe is our special guest tonight. Yeah, I've, uh, I learned more about baseball from Art Howe than probably he and Steve Sparks sitting there and, and, and you know, listening rather than talking and listen to them uh, talk about the game as the game. Because, you know, you do the pregame show and then you sit and watch the game for nine innings and then you do the postgame show. But those those nine innings were just treasured, those three hours of, of learning so much of the game. But Art just never ceased to amaze me and not – just the way they watch the game. He'd, he'd look at something that I would never even think about. He'd look, what the heck are they doing playing behind this guy? What are they playing on the line? You know, think, little things like that that I would have never thought of, and I, I just I appreciate so much of that 
from Art Howe. I can remember one time in particular, and Art can speak to this, but uh, he and Denny Walling, Denny Walling, who was a, a longtime Astro, very good left-handed hitter and a uh, uh, guy that old Astro fans know all too well, uh, he was in studio with us. He, he was just, he and his wife were going on vacation with Art and his wife the next day. And to sit there and listen to the two of them watch a game together was just fantastic. But I, I learned so much from Art. And, uh, he's, he's a great baseball man and a, and a great person as well. Speaking of Art, there he is. We'll have him on in the second segment. Art Hal, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we're, we've got all this going on. We have great uh, representation from the Houston Astros organization. Uh, we have Meshack Sullivan from the Houston Astros PR department. We have Richard Tapia. We have Mihi Kim, all here from the Houston Astros. Uh, they do a great job. They're over here at this table. Uh, shooting stars in the house tonight. I saw Kayla earlier. Savannah's on her way, if not here already. Uh, we've got the shuttle crew. We've got Jamarcus and Ian giving away prizes. If you haven't come down to a show live, make sure you do so. At some point, we have show two of ten tonight. And then we'll have four from spring training. A total of 14 off-season Astro Line shows coming your way. And uh, tonight is show two with our special guest, Art Howe. On the other side of our first break, we're going to hear from the manager, A.J. Hinch, from, baseball winners meet, from the baseball winter meetings just a couple of days ago. And we're also going to hear from Art Howe. He'll be on the next segment. We're talking baseball tonight. Brian McTaggart from MLB.com expected to stop by a little bit later on. So if you have some questions, he's covered, obviously, he's covered this team for years and uh, very knowledgeable about everything going on with the club. Uh, so if you have your questions that you, for, for tags coming up as well, you can, uh, you can send those to us as well. Yeah, tags will be on the final segment. He was still out in San Diego earlier today. Rule 5 draft, the Astros ended up having three of their minor leaguers selected today. Of the 11 players taken in the major league phase of the Rule 5 draft, the Astros lost three minor leaguers. Hey, 72 days. The countdown is on until the first spring training game in West Palm Beach at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. So make plans to check out your Astros in action as the 2020 spring training schedule gets underway February 22nd at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches. For the best way to experience Florida, visit thepalmbeaches.com. Coming up, we'll be joined by A.J. Hinch on tape from San Diego. Art Hal live from the Pluckers Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd. You're listening to Astro Line Live, presented by Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. In 2019, the Houston Astros won an astounding 117 games. At, at Carbach, we're turning our attention to raise $117,000 for the Astros Foundation from proceeds of Crawford Bach. Crawford Bach is a delicious ballpark beer that's good for any time of year, and every single beer sold gives back to the Astros Foundation in support of their community initiatives. Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Ah, Florida. The warm sun is shining, and Astros Spring Training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Come experience Astros baseball, warm weather, and miles of pristine beaches all in one place. Visit astros.com slash spring to book your spring training trip. There's nothing like Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. Discover the Palm Beaches, the best way to experience Florida. Line presented by Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. We are live all winter long 
from Pluckers Wing Bar right here at 1400 Shepherd. Todd Callis, Kevin Eschenfelder, joined by former Astros manager and third baseman legend Art Howe. We'll talk to him in just a little while. First, we're going to catch up with A.J. Hinch, manager of the Houston Astros. A.J. out of the winter meetings on Tuesdays when we caught up with him. Right after he had a little media session, normally A.J.'s media session at the winter meetings has about 20, 25 people around. This one had over 100 reporters, cameras, as you can imagine, a lot of attention going on with the ongoing investigation. A.J. told them, and we can repeat since it was public forum, that he can't comment about the ongoing investigation. So when we talk to A.J., we focus in strictly on baseball and also about his love affair for the city of San Diego. A.J. San Diego, the site of the winter meetings. I guess when you saw this one pop up on the radar a few years ago, you're probably looking forward to getting back here. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I've you know I've come to these winter meetings every year my entire career, and and some of them are in 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 great places like San Diego. Some aren't, but when you you see a few more people trickle into the winter meetings when they're in San Diego, so it does no, not surprise me. And what a great venue for for hosting you know one of the more exciting times in 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 the baseball offseason. You've lived in some great places in your baseball career does this one have some special memories of whenever you get back yeah this is home for the most part i mean our, my, my kids were born in in arizona but we we kind of consider this home because our kids remember san diego the most they remember uh, you know obviously the, the the beautiful city they remember the sunsets they remember the, the the access to the beaches and the fun out indoor outdoor living that goes with san diego and so when your kids start to think of it as home, I think you start to think of it as home. And we've made a point of, of coming back to San Diego every year, uh, sometimes multiple times in the, in the summer and in, um, in the off season to, uh, to kind of keep that feeling alive. Do you view the winter meetings as kind of the crossover from putting last year in the rearview mirror and looking ahead to next season? And if so, have you been able to, to put 19 in, in the rearview mirror? A little bit. I, I think that I'm still answering questions about the World Series. I'm still answering questions about players off of last year's team. And some of them are free agents. Some of them are rehabbing. Some of them are, are clearly on our team for next season. So I, I don't know if you ever really put the season in the rearview mirror until you get your new team together in spring training and the group that you have. And and all the decisions that are made and, and did you lose anybody? Did you gain anybody? That's probably the time where I really feel like I can, I can put a stamp on last season and, and move on to next year now. Um, but I think this, this is sort of the kickoff to the sprint race to spring training. And, and when you start feeling like that sense of urgency, I'm starting to talk about having staff meetings in, in Houston. I'm starting to talk about spring training planning. We've got the dates down. We've got the the, the planning that goes in place on which coaches and minor league guys are going to come to big league camp. We're starting to have those discussions. And so I, you start to transition a little bit from the, um, the agony of defeat in game seven to the, to the prospect of what's ahead in, in 2020. Jeff Luno uh, spoke to the media and mentioned uh, needs and, and wants for this offseason. And he mentioned a catcher. He mentioned a starting pitcher. He mentioned a, a bullpen arm. Let's go in that order. Uh, you were a former catcher. You've got two guys in, in uh, play right now with Dustin Garneau, Garrett Stubbs. But I would think that that's probably, if not one of the main priority for you guys at this point. Well, it is for me as an ex-catcher. I'm always, I'm always going to think that we need to solidify that position. And we've been so fortunate to have really good guys in the last few years. A couple of them are still free agents and Robinson Chirinos and Martin Maldonado, another famous name in Houston and Jason Castro, all free agents that, that, 
you know, that we've been linked to and we'll see if anything's true about that. But I, I think the catcher position, we're so invested in, in our run prevention and the pitching that we have, the Verlander, the Granke, getting McCullers back, the back end of our bullpen with Osuna and, and Presley, Josh James coming back, Brad Peacock coming back, or Keedy kind of bursting on the scene as a, as a starter for us. When, when you invest that much into the run prevention side and you, and you, you have a stable pitching staff, like life just seems better. The games are better. You're in more games. And that takes a good tandem with a catcher. And so I, whatever route we go, I know we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look for a catcher. We're going to look for someone who's been as stable as the guys that we've had with Chirinos and, 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 and Martin and Brian McCann and, and Jason Castro. We've been spoiled with really good defense first, but they could offer a little bit of offense on the, on the other side of the ball. And that, that priority for me as a catcher, as an ex-catcher, as a manager, um, I feel like he's that extension of me on the field, and I, I love having that stability. With the extra roster spot, 26-man, and the flexibility of a Garrett Stubbs, could you see going into opening day with three catchers? Absolutely, because I, I think when you look at what we did last year with Stubbs in his brief time here, as you saw him play a little bit of outfield, he's crazy athletic. He's really fast, especially for a catcher. Um, but even as just a normal player, he's, he's, he's not a big guy, so he's got some agility and, and some mobility. We're going to put an infield glove on him in spring training. And kind of see if we have more more than uh, than simply a, a a catcher. We can see I can see some ways to use him in different in different ways, which would which would fight for a, for a spot on our team. He could be the backup catcher. He could be a platoon catcher. He could also be you know a twenty six man type that has to move around the field. So that that roster change is is probably an advantage for Miles Straw. It's an advantage for Kyle Tucker trying to break into the everyday playing. And on the on the major league team, or an Abraham Toro, or or even a Garrett Stubbs and and, and Dustin Garneau. So I I like that we have options when you start to build your team, and now we get an extra roster spot. Moving to starting pitcher, uh, you've got some veterans. Uh, you also have a guy coming off of Tommy John surgery, and Lance McCullers. Uh, Jose Arquiti stepped up to the big stage. Is there? And both Zach and Justin are getting to that point later in their careers. You want to count on always for 200 innings. But is there concern about covering a lot of innings, especially with Urquidy and and Lance maybe being limited? Well, I think I think the problem comes when you when you think about what Garrett Cole did, and everybody's going to assume that we have to replace Garrett Cole. Or you see what Wade Miley did, and we have to replace Wade Miley. We do have to replace those innings. We we may have to spread it out and do it a little bit differently. We've been spoiled on this team by having the rotation that we've had with the, with the likes of Charlie Morton and, and Garrett Cole and, and Dallas Keuchel and guys that, that, that soaked up a lot of innings and also provided elite performance. We may have to be a little bit more creative, but starting that, that rotation off with the names Verlander, Granke, and McCullers is not a horrible start. I mean, it's, that's, that's across the board one of the best top three in baseball. So I keep it in perspective. We will ask a lot out of Rikidi next year, and we think he – he made a, a massive step in the World Series by being able to pitch those innings that he did. Um, we do we do have to figure out like what is Josh James and Brad Peacock's primary role. Does Framber Valdez come back and get into our rotation? Um, is there a surprise prospect Whitley Belak, Javier? Is there a guy that, that steps up? And then if we can create less urgency for those young guys by adding to it in the rotation, I know Jeff's looking at that as well. 
Final thing, the bullpen. Um, last year, you navigated a whole season without really a true lefty in your bullpen. You had righties that could get lefties out. Uh, Devo had done it but a little bit better in the past than he did last year, and Will was outstanding. Uh, Will, free agent. Is that the concern, or is that the main focus right now, finding a guy who can get a, a two out of three or three out of four lefty? in the- Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it depends on this rule. If they have the three-batter rule, I think that may change things a little bit. Is We just want to have really good arms and coming out of the pen when the door opens, and we call down there and you're like hey this guy's coming in and he's really good we have that um in 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 a lot of guys but we have a couple openings we we would like to see be a genie step forward we need devo to get back and and be a, a more of a major contributor uh, like i said peacock and james what do we do with those guys but maybe cnl perez steps up and 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 provides that high octane arm and, and he throws strikes or framber in the bullpen is a possibility um there we really don't have a, a plan yet until we know the personnel we have but having versatility in a number of guys but having a really good arm every single time we call down look at brian abreu what he could do possibly in in various roles so we're optimistic that we have enough now but we we certainly are looking to add to make sure that we can can account for every scenario that comes up during a game thanks for the time aj it won't be long now till uh, you start that trek for a fourth and unprecedented 100 win season that should be a, a nice little target can't wait tk A.J. Hinch from San Diego. We thank him for his time. A.J. moving up the charts all the way to number two all-time in Astros manager history and wins. One of the two guys he passed last this past season, Larry Durker, and our special guest tonight, Art Howes in the house here at Pluckers. Art, you and A.J. go all the way back to when he made his big league debut, huh? We certainly do. Back in Oakland, uh, he was definitely one of the brighter uh, players I ever managed, that's for sure. He graduated from Stanford University and uh, very, very smart. I think he really picked up on the catching part of the game in a hurry. And as he mentioned, it's nice to have a catcher out there. It's like a manager on the field, and he did a great job for me. Were there guys in the dugout that you know that didn't make, weren't necessarily blessed with the, the most amount of talent, but you could tell they kind of hung around, uh, whether it was the, the bench coach or the manager, and kind of just, just listening in and, and getting a feel for situations, and you thought to yourself, this, this guy may be sitting in this position at one point. Was he one of those guys? Most definitely. You know, A.J., you know, your catcher's in on your meetings with your pitchers and, and catchers, and and talking about how to set up hitters, how to pitch to hitters. And I think that's why you see so many ex-catchers managing in the big leagues. They're trying to think along with the managers as they're catching a game, how to call it. Everything's in front of them. They're the only player that has everybody in front of them. They know what's going on. So A.J., as I said, was very intelligent. He was really studying every time we had meetings, trying to absorb everything he possibly could. Obviously, he wasn't... And a great, you know, hitter and great all-around player, but uh, he was a, he was an outstanding student of the game, and that really shows now. Astros fans probably having a little flashback here. Kevin Eschenfeld or Art Howe together again. You guys uh, <laughs> taught me everything I know. They'll start playing that song together <laughs> again. <laughs> Artie, uh, it's so great to see you tonight, and you're, you stop by the stadium occasionally, uh, born in Pittsburgh. Uh, Hall of Famer, University of Wyoming. Now Houston's your home. What do you, tell us about what's going on in Art Howe's world right now. I've been doing a lot of traveling. In fact, I just got back from Pittsburgh a couple days ago. And before that, uh, my wife Betty and I went on a three-week cruise. So we've been doing a little bit of traveling, seeing the world. Went to Europe, enjoyed every minute of it. Took in Spain, Portugal, you name it. Uh, the highlight for me was going to Normandy. Mm-hmm. Got to see oh, Normandy. Wow. And 
for everybody out there, it's something you have to see. Folks, I've always said that uh, when I, and he knows this too, so does his wife Betty. I always said whenever I grow up, I want to be Art Howe. <laughs> That's, that, was, that was my goal. Uh, you know, you, you talked about Pittsburgh because we really never talked about this, and I think people would find this interesting because you grew up in Pittsburgh. You came up as a Pittsburgh Pirate yeah. after, uh, you know, after, after college, and then I mean, you walked into that clubhouse. And tell me a little bit about that, because here it is, a kid growing up in Pittsburgh, and you walk into a clubhouse and you look around and the likes of Stargell and Clemente and all, all these guys are, are right there uh, that you were, you know, it seemed like three years ago, you were just, you were you know, up in the stands looking for autographs from. Exactly. You know, you talk about someone in awe. It was me. I walked in there like, what am I doing here? You know, because <laughs> I grew up, as you said, in Pittsburgh. I watched these guys all grow up and, and play the game there, superstars. Uh, and it was just a thrill to be in there. And it took me a while to actually get the feeling that I actually belong, you know. Uh, and the one guy who went out of his way to make sure that I, I, I felt like that was Willie Stargell. He was outstanding. The best team leader I was ever around and quite a gentleman. You, you, he called you Arthur, right? Yes, Arthur. Arthur. So and I, I asked you this before, and it surprised me. And I said, then you must have been devastated when you got traded to Houston and you told me, no, I wanted to play. Yeah. Well, I was behind Richie Hebner there. That's exactly. when Hebner was doing a, a great job for the Pirates, and I felt, you know, I have no future here, really, other than, you know, leaving tickets for all my family and friends each day. Each day. So uh, getting traded to Houston was the best break I ever received as far as the game was concerned. And uh, once I finally got a chance to play here and show people that I could play, it was a thrill for me, and Houston's now our home, and we're never leaving. Right. Yeah, one of uh, eight, he played 891 games over 11 seasons. You were traded for Tommy Helms, yes. right, from the Pirates to the Astros. Astros 76 through 82. Um, still to this day, I think one of the more underrated, incredible series in the history of baseball was the 1980 Absolutely. NLCS. Um, every game, extra inning, last four games, extra innings, and every game was unbelievably tense. Definitely, and I still I'm still heartbroken uh. over it. <laughs> but uh, it was something I I loved being a part of. The teammates I had back then are just wonderful, wonderful to be around. Great team chemistry, and that's the reason we went as far as we did. And and people that really remember that team, we lost Jr. midseason mm -hmm. that year. And I truly believe I'd be wearing a few rings if Jr. hadn't had the stroke that he had, because he was the best in the game at the time. Yeah, and that, that, what a series, though. What do you, I just remember the, just the, the tension with each and every game, the, the four straight extra inning games, uh, you know, Rose and Lazinski, all those guys, and you just, you know, you hated those guys if you were an Astros fan, and, and uh, it just wasn't to be. What, what are some of your – I know it's not something you, that you take fond memories from, but what are some of your, your vivid memories from that series? that uh, we should have uh, kept Manny Trio from showing up at the ballpark because <laughs> yep. he was the MVP of that series, I'm pretty sure. Yep. But, uh, he came up with a lot of big hits. But what I remember the most is Gray Gross, who was my roommate when I yeah. first came to the Astros. Former Astro, yeah. He called me when they went to Kansas City to play in the World Series right after they beat us. He said, Artie, this World Series is the biggest disappointment in my life. And I said, why? He said, in my book, the series we had with the Astros, that was the World Series. This was a letdown because everybody kind of knew they were going to beat Kansas City. They were that much better.
Tell me the story about the, the one-game playoff in, in Los Angeles because mm. that uh, that's another one of my favorite. Uh, it's, uh, start, don't, don't, don't leave out the Joe Negro on the bus story part of this. Okay. But, it, you know, it was great. You know, obviously we came down to the final game. We went into L.A. All we do is win one game and we clinched the division. The Dodgers came back in extra innings in, ninth, in the bottom of the ninth to tie each game, the first three games, and beat us in extra innings. And then on the way to the ballpark the next day, you know, uh, Al Rosen was our GM, and he was kind of bent out of shape, really. And uh, I said, don't worry, Al. I think we got this lick. Don't worry about it. We went to the ballpark, and all the media, the first three games, were in our dugout expecting us to clinch it. Well, in that tie game, they were all in the Dodger dugout. And I said, the curse is lifted, boys. We're going to win this thing. And during that game, you know, we, uh, we jumped out. I had a pretty good day. Yeah, you had in a really a good runs. day. Yes. <laughs> so you the, had a good day. All I right. think we're up like 6 nothing. The base is loaded. And, and the, in the bottom of the sixth inning, fifth or sixth inning, and the Dodgers had to rally going. And. As in the previous games, they always came back and made things happen and end up beating us. Well, who was it? Uh, Rick Monday got, he, he, he's the third guy on. I'm playing first base. And I asked Rick, how's it going, Rick? He says, ah, okay, Artie. He says, but uh, that d- dugout over there is kind of tight. Speaking of his own dugout. Wow. And I says, is that right? And I said, who's the tightest guy in there? He says, you won't believe it. He says, that little fat guy in the corner. <laughs> and that was Tommy, Tommy. Lasorda. <laughs> so I called time because Nuxie was gnawing on that gum a mile a minute. You know, he could feel it. You know, things might be unraveling a little bit. I ran in there. I said, Nuxie. And I relayed what Monday had told me. They're all tight over there. So just, you know, get a double play ball and minimize them. Let's get out of here. That's exactly what he does. He throws up a double play ball. Wow. Run scores, gets a third out. We win 7 1, yep. going away. And there's a picture in, a, in our sports page. Nuxie's giving me a kiss on my bald head. <laughs> and that was why he was kissing me oh, because he really? said I, I made him relax and get refocused when I told him. That, that. is a great story. <laughs> if anything, the tension should have been in your dugout. Yeah. But uh, that is awesome. We'll have more with Art Howe, and we'll, uh, we'll hear a highlight coming out of the next commercial from that 1980 series we were mentioning a little bit earlier. Don't forget, coming up, 2020 Astros season tickets on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats and exclusive benefits throughout the year at Minute Maid Park. For tickets and more information, visit astros.com slash season tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS today. We'll continue with more Astro Line. Art Howe, Kevin Eschenfelder, nice crew in the house. The Astros official hot stove show presented by Carbock Brewing Live. More from Plucker's Wing Bar right after this. In 2019, the Houston Astros won an astounding 117 games. At Carbach, we're turning our attention to raise $117,000 for the Astros Foundation from proceeds of Crawford Bach. Crawford Bach is a delicious ballpark beer that's good for any time of year, and every single beer sold gives back to the Astros Foundation in support of their community initiatives. Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Ah, Florida. The warm sun is shining, and Astros spring training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Come experience Astros baseball, warm weather, and miles of pristine beaches all in one place. Visit astros.com slash spring to book your spring training trip. 
There's nothing like Astro's Spring Ball in sunny Florida. Discover the Palm Beaches, the best way to experience Florida. And Keith Jackson on the call. Yeah, Keith Jackson. Uh, most people know from his college football calls, but doing the NLCS that year, 1980, Art Howe against the big right-hander, Ron Reed, for the Ron Philadelphia Reed. Phillies. You split the gap between Maddox and McBride, which isn't easy because Gary covered a lot of ground. No, it isn't. That's probably the only hit I ever got off of Big Bigfoot Reed. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was a big, big guy. And Art Howe with that triple there, the 1980 NLCS we talked about. We're taking questions. Welcome back, everybody, to our Astros official off-season hot stove show. It is Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing. We have myself, Kevin Eschenfelder, Art Howe here. We're taking questions from the audience, and we've got one here, Art, for you. Uh, when you were playing, was there a team you liked beating more than any other team? Which team did you like? I know, I know this one. <laughs> it's the Dodgers, yeah. hands down. Yeah. Which made the play-in game even more special. <laughs> exactly. You know, they were so good for so long, and, you know, quite a challenge to beat them. And when you finally did, you loved every minute of it. The, the year escapes me. Is it 81 that you were leading the league? Yes. You were, okay. He, Art's leading the league in hitting at the all-star break. At Actually, it was Dallas. Green okay. That, okay. Yeah. There were a lot of, there were a lot of deep feelings that went through. I, it, maybe it's a little more watered down with the interleague play. I don't know, but it seemed like you saw each other so much more back then for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of animosity towards the Astros and the Dodgers. Same thing for the Cincinnati Reds at that point. Oh, they were tough too. Obviously, they were probably number two because they were in our division, <laughs> and the, the big red machine. They were almost unbeatable. Actually, for what three years in a row, they were unbeatable, mm -hmm. and they were loaded for, with talent up and down their lineup. In fact, their lineup kind of reminds me of the Astros lineup. Now that's how how good this Astro lineup is. The Reds dominated back then. And I think there's no lineup in baseball that can compare with what the Astros can run out there now. When you talk about those teams in comparison to the, the current Astros team, it, it is amazing because the, the big red machine, I mean, legendary. Some of the things the Astros offense this year accomplished was compared to the 27 Yankees. And that's like everybody talks about how uh, you, you're not the 27 Yankees. Like that's the, the standard bearer. Yes. The, the difference for me between the Reds and the Astros Astros have much better pitching. Mm -hmm. The Reds, you know, old Captain Hook would go out there after five innings <laughs> and then start, yeah, go to that bullpen. They had a good bullpen, but their rotation uh, really wasn't all that much to talk about. But man, they put up runs left and right. You never felt you, know, you had a comfortable lead against them, and especially in that ballpark of theirs. I mean, it was a bandbox, especially com compared to the Astrodome back then. The dome, 
you had to be a man to hit it out of dead center there. <laughs> it does speak to, though, just how when you talk about having all the components together, and, and you saw it in Oakland uh, when you had the, you know, the big three at the top of your rotation, is that no, no matter how good you can be, the, 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 the cruelty of baseball is that it's not always the best team that wins in the end, and, it's, uh, it, it, and then it seems like it takes you so much longer to get back there. This can be a really cruel game at times. It certainly can. You know, you work all year to get in that position, and you feel like, you do, at least on paper, have the best team, but you still have to go out there and perform, and sometimes you get an injury at the wrong time, uh, you know, and we that happened to us once or twice there in, in Houston, I mean in Oakland, and then you make one misplay, and it's a best of five series, and you give up one, give away one game, and a best of five, it usually comes back to haunt you. Mentioned Sparky, uh, you are one of, 64 managers with a thousand wins in your career so congratulations for that accomplishment thank you uh 54th all time uh three different teams over the course of your career and you played here and managed here and now you get to watch this team and i i know there are so many talented teams through the years but to see what this team's accomplished four out of five postseasons and winning 100 games or more three straight years this is a, a a team of all time this is kind of getting them to look like a dynasty type situation here, to be honest with you. 107 wins this year. I mean, that's incredible. And, and as you, everybody knows they had the best team, but they didn't win at all. But what were you just talking about? Yeah, that's the way it goes. And if a team gets hot at the right time, certain key players get really hot, and other ones get a little cold on the, on the, on the best team. And things can change in a hurry. But, you know, for me... Uh, the pitching is so important in the postseason. That's where really uh, it's, it's the big difference in the postseason. But generally speaking, the teams that get to the postseason have the best pitching. Mm-hmm. And you can't just go up there. And I, my old A's teams in the regular season, we try to work the count. Well, when you're facing Roger Clemens. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? And you're 0-2 every time, every hitter going to the plate. Uh-oh. Hey, Skip, can we swing at the first pitch once in a while? <laughs> sure, go go for it. You know, obviously this is not – anytime you're going to lose Garrett Cole out of a starting rotation, your rotation is not going to be as good the next year as it was the previous. That, that, that doesn't matter. Just Garrett Cole is a great pitcher. We don't throw the word great around. But at the same time – to be able to roll out Verlander, Grinky, whether it's going to be McCullers, whatever the case may be, behind those guys, it's, uh, it's, it's better than formidable. That's a, it's a pretty solid that's a pretty solid starting pitching rotation. It certainly is. And, and I know that uh, it's come out in the papers and everything saying they're still looking to add maybe another starter to that rotation. But my, my thing I'm going to be watching this year is the bullpen. Because if you've got McCullers in there and he's only going to throw 120 innings, and you got a couple other young guys possibly in that rotation not going deep into games, hopefully it doesn't take a toll on that bullpen. But it possibly can. So they're going to, you know, A.J.'s going to have his hands full trying to figure that all out. I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> it's in his hands. <laughs> Art Howe, our guest tonight from Pluckers. Uh, we are live at 1400 Shepherd on our Astro Line Show presented by Carbock Brewing. Artie, of course, a great player for the Astros, a manager for a number of years. You were there at the beginning of the Killer Bees. You saw Jeff Bagwell's Rookie of the Year season. You saw Craig Biggio make an all-star team as a catcher, and then the very next year make an all-star team as a second baseman. You saw the pieces to the puzzle being built here, and that much must have been a special time. It was. I, I knew that we were putting the right, right pieces in place. The core players were definitely outstanding with Bagwell and Biggio. 
and we had some other ones. Caminetti, who was a Steve great Finley player. was in there. there Finley, yeah. Yeah, we had Schilling. Luis Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah Luis Gonzalez. I mean, on and on. Eric Anthony was a good young player. First half should have hit one in the upper deck in the yep. Astrodome. Yep. Kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, well, he did, he, he, did, he did get to Mike Hampton a little bit later on, so <laughs> yeah. there was that. <laughs> but the, the, those teams, we definitely had the, the pieces in place. Our pitching staff was a little old. We were trying to, you know, get Daryl Kyle was a young pitcher was coming on board. So guys like that, we were certainly putting in the, the pieces in place. Uh, but back then, we just didn't have the wherewithal to keep them. Uh, didn't have the money, you know, ownership wasn't going to spend much to keep them. And slowly but surely, we start losing pieces. And then uh, that dynasty fell apart <laughs> <laughs> that was the most disappointing thing about when 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 they made a change and what made manager for you was that you saw that this you knew and i think whether it's a head coach or a manager in baseball no one knows better about what the potential of what he has I mean, let's face it and it's not always good right sometimes you oh, may yeah. look at a guy and you go we're in trouble and that's when you see a guy get out of town you knew that this you knew that they had the building blocks for a really strong future coming up right most definitely most definitely and the character of the players too was outstanding the guys that came to the park they just wanted to play and do the best they could for the city of houston and and they once again got along really well bagwell and biggio were were leaders on the field as they got older, they became more verbal, I'm sure. But when I had them, they were just happy to be on the team. But, man, were they good. And and every, they led by example. And when you have your two best players leading by example, you don't have to say very much at all. I know Ash probably knows this story very well, but you grew up in Pittsburgh. You ended up going to University of Wyoming. In fact, the golf shirt you have on under your jacket is a, <laughs> has the cowboy on it. Still represent the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, Hall of Famer there. But how does a kid from Pittsburgh end up at Wyoming as a football and baseball star? Well, I wanted to go west, young man. Go west. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a <laughs> they offered me a you know a football scholarship there. And uh, when I was that young, I was big on USC, but they 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 were smarter than Wyoming. <laughs> they didn't offer me a scholarship. So I but you could have been a football player, but you got hurt, right? Yeah, my freshman year, I had hurt my back in high school in, in my sophomore year in, in high school playing football. And uh, I re-injured it my freshman year. But I was playing football and baseball my freshman year. So the next year I earned a scholarship playing baseball because with the injury I sustained, the, the doctors told me if I hurt it again, I'd be out of all sports. So uh, I was wasn't the smartest, uh, sharpest knife in the drawer, but I figured that one out pretty quickly. I better stick with baseball. The, the fact that you went west and went to one of the coldest places in the west tells me all I need to know. Although, I will say this. Two-part question. One, it had, I mean, hitting, because Laramie is one of the highest, uh, I know the basketball, altitude. yeah, the basketball arena, that's the highest altitude in, in college basketball, but at the same time, it had to be bitterly cold playing March baseball games oh. there, right? Or did you guys play away a lot no, during the early part of the season? We only played conference games at oh. home. We rolled up the snow down the baselines. I can't tell you how many times trying to get a game in, but I'll tell you what, you thought you had some big-time power, though, because you're up that altitude, you hit one, it just keep going. Not to mention a home field advantage. Nobody, Everybody else is sitting there shivering while you guys are ready to play. The thin air, definitely. Hey, such a pleasure to have you here, Art. I, I'm amazed that, that you were on a three-week cruise and you still look as lean as you do. You look great. 
Well, I joined Weight Watchers, so I'm trying to wait, watch my weight. Most people don't come off a three-week cruise looking like you do. We're, we hope you get back your your golf game soon. I know you got a little minor injury you're dealing with, but most importantly, thanks for taking the time out on this Thursday night to join us here at Pluckers. My pleasure, Todd. Great to see Kevin, you. All right, it's always great seeing you. All right, Art. Thank, thank you so you much. much. Art Howe, ladies and gentlemen, Astros legend. We'll have more. Our final segment from Pluckers Wing Bar. This is Astro Line. Presented by Carbach Brewing, we'll hear from Brian McTaggart on the other side on the Astros Radio Network. In 2019, the Houston Astros won an astounding 117 games. Hits it in the left center field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. Astros win it in the bottom of the ninth. Another series win for the Astros at Minute Maid. At Carbach, we're turning our attention to raise $117,000 for the Astros Foundation from proceeds of Crawford Bach. Crawford Bach is a delicious ballpark beer that's good for any time of year, and every single beer sold gives back to the Astros Foundation in support of their community initiatives. Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Ah, Florida. The warm sun is shining, and Astros Spring Training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Come experience Astros baseball, warm weather, and miles of pristine beaches all in one place. Visit astros.com spring to book your spring training trip. There's nothing like Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. Discover the Palm Beaches, the best way to experience Florida. you back to Astro Line, presented by Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun, broadcasting live as we are all winter long from Plucker's Wing Bar right here at 1400 Shepherd. You can visit astros.com slash astroline for a complete list of showtimes and dates, and make sure to find us on your favorite social media platform using the hashtag Astroline. I'm Todd Callis, sitting next to Kevin Eschenfelder. Thanks again to Art Howe for joining us. In segments two and three, A.J. Hinch from San Diego a little bit earlier on. We have Richard Tapia, Meshack Sullivan, Mihi Kim, all here from the Houston Astros organization. We have the shuttle crew of Jamarcus and Ian helping us out over there. We have the shooting stars, Kayla and Savannah, helping us out. And we have a great audience tonight as well, so thank you very much for joining us. And David Graham is in the house from Carbox, so thanks to David for joining us tonight as well. Right now, we have teed up the gentleman from the West Coast, maybe en route back to Houston, uh, but we were happy to be joined in this show by Brian McTaggart, MLB.com writer for the Houston Astros, has been busy the last few days in San Diego. Tags first and foremost, thanks for joining us, and the big news is a lot of money went to three players, all with the same agent. That was a crazy three days out there, huh? Yeah, it sure was. Uh, certainly different than the previous two years when, uh, you know, most of the free agents waited until January and February, but not, not this year. I mean, the money was being passed out at a frenetic pace. It seemed like every 10 minutes I would get an update on my phone about somebody signing somewhere, and, and every time I looked at the number and I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty astonishing. Yeah, but for, you know, Strasburg to sign and then Garrett Cole to go to the Yankees and then, of course, uh, Rendon last night going to the Angels, Three of the, you know, three of the biggest biggest guys out there, and they get it done at the winter meetings with contracts that uh, are, you know, for Scott Boris handling all three of those guys are, are going to probably push him close to a million dollars, a billion dollars he's handed he's going to hand out this offseason. So baseball's doing pretty well, I think. <laughs> at, at tags, it's eight eight hundred and seventy eight million, I believe, was the was the last count. Uh, yeah, I was curious though. You looked back to last year and you saw with Manny Machado, you saw with Bryce Harper how long it took them to get the deal done, and it seemed like we talked about it 
uh, it seemed like almost until spring training. Uh, are you surprised that it happened as quickly? And do you think this year had anything to do uh, as far as the quickness of the signings as to the way it went last year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think guys don't want to wait until, you know, spring training and certainly, you know, the case of Keiko, he doesn't, doesn't sign until after the draft because, you know, he had the, the compensation attached to him. So, um, and plus, you know, the money was being thrown around. There were, there were teams out there willing to spend money and uh, some, of these, some of these players had multiple suitors. So it was, a, it was a matter of get the deal done now or maybe they move on to go somewhere else. So, um, but I think it's good for the game. You know, it's, it's good that that, uh, you know, there was a little bit of friction the previous couple of years when it, it seemed like that uh, some of the guys weren't signing and weren't getting the offers or the, or the money that they thought they deserved. But it certainly did a 180 this year, and uh, there's still a couple of big fish out there. But, uh, yeah, the action at the winter meetings was, uh, like I said earlier, a sign that some of these teams have a lot of money. They're willing to spend it, and, uh, and some teams are going all in to try to win the World Series and, and try to get, you know, to do what the Astros did a couple of years ago. What was your sense of what the Astros may or may not have accomplished in, in moving things forward, either with free agency or in scope of a possible trade over the next few days? I know Jeff Luno said it wasn't going to happen in the winter meetings, but what, do you, what sense do you get of, of the progress they made out there? Yeah, uh, obviously catching is their number one concern. I mean, they, they really don't have a starting catcher right now. They did sign Dustin Garneau a couple of weeks ago. But, um, you know, they need to identify a starting catcher. And there's still a few free agents out there. We heard A.J. Hintz earlier talk about, of course, bringing Chirinos back, which I think would be a very safe and, and logical move, especially how he handled Justin Verlander. You know, Jason Castro is a guy that uh, all the fans in Houston are aware of. And, you know, he, he went up to Minnesota and, and did pretty well. So, um, again, it's going to be, as far as catching concerned, it's going to be a, a defense-first focus for them with the kind of you know, lineup they have. They really don't need a catcher that is going to provide a lot of offense. And there's really not a lot, of those, a lot of those guys out there. But I think catching is going to get done before anything else. But then I think it comes down to pitching. Um, I think a, a starter obviously is a priority as well once the, uh, once the catching situation is taken care of and you know, adding a bullpen arm. Of course, the challenge in all of this is money. It looks like they're going to be over the luxury tax threshold of $208 million, and uh, they don't want to go over the second threshold, which comes with more penalties. So um, they're going to have to get creative a little bit, but there's, there's still some quality players out there I think they can bring in. Well, Garrett Cole, obviously the big story uh, tags coming out of the winter meetings. and The nine-year deal, we, we think we can all pretty much uh, lay out the pros and the cons of it all, but uh, how did you see right. this deal? And, and, uh, and you're just your, your thoughts uh, when you look at a nine-year deal for Garrett Cole. Yeah, that's stunning. That is a, a stunning amount of money and, and length of the deal, right? I mean, uh, and I think for the Yankees, we obviously know they have more money than anybody and can, and can spend a lot of money, and if things don't work out, it doesn't hamper them as much as other teams. But, you know, if gold comes in and, and helps them get to the World Series and win a World Series or two in the next four or five years, they're, they're probably going to think this was a good deal no matter what happens towards the end of the deal. So, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think, they came really close. They're going all in. And, you know, it punches a huge hole in the Astros rotation, obviously. But there's not really uh, – on Twitter, anyway, it seems like a lot of the fans are having some doom and gloom. I mean, the Astros are still really, really good. I mean, they still have a, a really good starting rotation at the top. And if they can add a guy and bring in some of the youngsters like Arquiti, um, they're going to be right there. So, uh, just, the, the, you know, a couple of years ago, they lost – Dallas Keuchel lost Charlie Morton or after last year, I guess, and they, they here they go to Game 7 of the World Series. So they're still going to be a really good ball club. It's going to be tough to lose Cole, but uh, be interested to see how that contract works out, you know, not only in the next couple of years, but down the line. 
Winter meetings coming to a close today with the Rule 5 draft this morning. The Astros losing three minor leaguers to the Rule 5 draft at the major league phase of it. Of the 11 players selected, three of them were Astros. A little known fact, of all the Baseball Writers Association of America members, I think Brian McTaggart is ranked number one in karaoke singing. No doubt. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I know you headlined a couple of nights ago. Are you still headlining in San Diego, or are you on your way back to Houston? <laughs> no, that was a, that was a one-night-only engagement, TK, so... Uh, <laughs> So it was. You have to be there. Yeah, we uh, probably a group of about twenty uh, ball riders uh, went out and did a little karaoke the other night. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, the winter meetings are a lot of work. They're long days, but you also get to see people that you don't get to see that often. You get to hang out with them, and it's good to go out and have a, a little fun with them as well. Are you work? You're not working any of the lounges there at the airport as you wait for your flight, are you? No, I got to get my vocal cords to rest. Rest, I think. I probably have to. Uh, I'm probably going to have to postpone any further performances until spring training. So West Palm and Beach, look out. We'll all benefit from that. One final question. <laughs> I know the commissioner addressed the potential for rule changes in 2020. Is your sense that uh, a three batter minimum, uh, the 26 man on the roster, anything else that the changes are going to happen for 2020? Is that correct? Yeah, he seems to indicate that they're 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 going to proceed with those changes. Those and those are the two big changes. Yeah, the 26 man, the three batter minimum. Um, you know, nothing's been set in stone yet, but he was asked directly about that at the winter meetings a couple of days ago, and and did say that they are planning for that to happen. So, um, you know, that's a that's a roster spot that's going to open up maybe for a third catcher for the Astros, extra outfielder, however they want to use it, but. The way the Astros love their versatility and move guys around, that's certainly going to be a weapon I think A.J. Hinch can use to uh, get the most out of his players having that, that 26 man. Tags, thank you so much for the time. We'll see you back in H-Town. If we don't see you beforehand, happy holidays to you and your family. Hey, Merry Christmas, Tags. All right, happy holidays, guys. See you soon. Ash, great to have you with, aboard for this one. I know you're in the middle of Rockets games. You're back at it tomorrow, right? You got it from Orlando. Yeah, there you go. You Enjoyed a, it, TK. All right, always good to have Kevin Eschenfelder alongside. Thanks to everybody who showed up at Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd downtown Houston and to our flagship station, Sports Talk 790 KBME, our studio engineer, Josh C., and the man who runs the show to my right, Bolt C. Tune in next Thursday, December 19th. It will be Robert Ford and Bill Brown hosting for the next installment of Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing right here on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Have a great rest of your Thursday night, everyone. Astroline. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 Astroline, the Astros' official off-season show presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. On Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.